Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I, talk, while I discuss the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815, on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, Assessing other teams' pipelines, etc., and ask me questions if I was confusing. It's a Sunday night. There's really not that much going on in Major League Baseball. After all, there is a strike going on. So, not a whole lot going on there. Not a whole lot of signings going on. Not a whole lot of trades going on, people possibly having a few articles on dumb stuff, but really there's not a whole lot going on. So what I want to do is go over something that I have talked about before, and I will talk about again, but this time I'm going to talk about it from a specific angle that probably I'm not going to take a whole lot of time to talk about in the future, but since there's nothing much going on right now other than what I'm talking about, let's go for it. Um, Fangraphs is in the process of reshuffling their 30 prospect pipeline assessments. So all 30 prospect pipelines will be assessed or will have been assessed in the relatively near future. The first one out of the gate was the Anaheim system. The second one was, I think, Cleveland, but they haven't done their big board on Cleveland yet. So they they assess the candidates, but they don't have their big board, which is kind of a bit confusing for me. The third though the second with the big board, was the Cubs. And today, I was just checking because I figured, you know what, I want to do another podcast and see if there's another another podcast, there was another list up, and it's the Oakland Athletics. What I'm going to talk about now today is comparing one organization to another. Some baseball fans really like to talk in very broad strokes, broad strokes. This organization over here, this team, this, uh, this, uh, they have a horrible system. They have nobody in their system that's any good, which is absurd, regardless which system you're talking about. Some systems are better than others. Some systems appear better than others, but every system almost certainly has a few players that are of somewhat of value. For instance, the Cubs have, with with Fangraphs, players who are on the board are the players who are assessed as 35 plus or better. 35 plus or better. So there's 35 plus, there's 40, there's 40 plus, there's 45, there's 45 plus, there's 50, there's 55, there's 60, there's 60 plus, there's 70, there's 70 plus, there's 80. Now, as you start getting toward the top there, 
you're not going to get a whole lot of people because there really aren't a whole lot of prospects that are 70s. But each organization, each team, each system, each pipeline has some players that are considered of some level of value. The Cubs have 49 players who are valued. 49 players who are considered 35 or above. Now what I'm going to do now, I'm going to go through the specific ranking numbers just for a little bit of background, just for a little bit of perspective. These are the Cubs numbers as of what the Fangraphs people put up quite recently. What was it, last week? Something like that. Maybe it was earlier this week. Paying upon if you if you want to consider Sunday the start of the week or the end of the week, all depends. Um, Brennan Davis is considered by Fangraphs a fifty-five. Uh, right after the um, right after the prospects game, I think he was a sixty, so he's tailed off a little bit, but he's a fifty-five right now. So the Cubs have. One guy, Brendan Davis, who is a 55. They have four players. Kevin Alcantara, Owen Casey, James Triantos, and Reggie Preciado. Four players who are all 50s. And if you're going to try to come up with an argument for this guy is better than that guy or that guy is better than the other guy between those four guys, they are very incredibly Similar. Very incredibly similar. You can prefer Owen Casey over Reggie Preciado. You can prefer Kevin Alcantara over James Triantos or whichever direction you want. But the reality is all four of those are relatively kind of close. Davis, 55. Alcantara, Casey, Triantos, Preciado, all 50. As per fan graphs, that is the order. Uh, I'm not sure how they're splitting the difference, but all four of those players, none of whom are yet as old as 20 years old, are all 50s. Christian Hernandez, 18 years old, shortstop, is a 45 plus. He's the only 45 plus in the system. Then the 45s, now, let me see, I got to scroll the screen down a little bit. The 45s go from Caleb Killian at 7 to Christopher Morrell at 16. So 7 to 16. If you're doing your own Cubs list, you're doing your own preference list, your own priority list, these are the guys and these are the orders. And If yours is kind of like fan graphs and you have guys between 7 and what I say? seven and 16, and you're having a really hard time splitting the difference between a Caleb Killian, a DJ Hers, and a Pete Crow Armstrong, you're not the only one. Fangraphs has them all as 45s. So, as far as for the Cubs, one guy is a 55. Four guys are 50s. 
One player, Christian Hernandez, is a 45-plus. And then the guys between 7 and 16, that being 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, yeah. 10 guys are all 45s. Then there are 40-pluses and 40s and 35-pluses. But just for a bit of perspective... Forty-five or better in the top sixteen. That's where the Cubs are. Their strength looks to be having a whole lot of quality depth at a number of different levels. So now you can say I like the Cubs pipeline. You can say I dislike the Cubs pipeline. You can say you like or dislike some other team's pipeline. As per fan graphs, though, 155, 450s, at 45 plus, and 10, 45s. Now let's jump over the A's. Again, some people are going to say, oh, I've done a whole lot of research on the A's and they have nothing. Yeah, well, I don't really believe that because I don't believe a whole lot of people have done a whole lot of research on the A's unless they are devout followers of the Oakland A's pipeline. For instance, Jesse Goldberg-Strassler, who is the announcer for the A's High A affiliate, he's probably done a degree of research on the A's. As for me, I really haven't. Okay, let's get to Oakland. Tyler Soderstrom, their top selection, their top prospect, is a 50. Is a 50. So they don't have anyone who is in the, per fan graphs, the Brennan Davis range. They do, however, have one person, Tyler Soderstrom, who is in the 50 range, which would incorporate Owen Casey, Reggie Preciado, etc etc the a's have two players zach geloff and pedro pineda who are 45 pluses cubs only have one so if you're going to say well the cubs are better at everything than the a's well no actually they're not the a's have two 45 pluses the cubs only have one 45 plus how they end up playing out well on into the future we'll find out but there is a difference as far as 45s, how many did I say the Cubs had? Is that, is that the one I said that the Cubs had 10? Yeah, Cubs have 10 45s. Oakland has three 45s. Nowhere near as many. That's, again, a large part of where the Cubs have their value. They have a whole bunch of 50s and 45s and 40s and 35 pluses and 40, 40 pluses and all that kind of stuff. If someone is going to make the claim that the Oakland A's have nobody that the Cubs would be interested in, that's hogwash. That's absolute garbage. The 45s for the A's, Dalton Jeffries is in the major leagues, so he will not be playing until the 
Lockout is solved, is solved for. The second 45 is Nick Allen, who is a shortstop. As I remember, a defense first shortstop. And their sixth 45 is Brian Buelvis, a guy who I was completely paying attention to, completely paying attention to when he was with, um, when he, uh, last July, when I was researching potential Cubs trades with the A's. I was paying a whole lot of attention to Brian Buelvis, but I was paying zero attention at all to Daniel Palencia. I might have been listening to a Daniel Palencia game. Probably was. I wasn't paying too close of attention because I was paying more attention to Brian Buelvis. See how that works? Sometimes one guy is interesting and you're paying attention to that one guy and you're not paying attention to the other guy who is also very interesting. I did not do the math. Maybe I will at some point. But I did not do the math tonight. With fan graphs, since every tick on the board, 50 hitter, 45 hitter, 40 pitcher, etc., etc., they all have specific future value um, rankings assigned to them based on historic um, realities, expectations, all that kind of stuff. Each organization will have a presumed pipeline value. And when Fangraphs puts together their rankings, their rankings are based on who has the biggest value. 175 falls below the 187. 187 falls before the 202, etc., etc., on down the line. So I haven't done the figuring, but the A's and the Angels both look to be well below the Cubs as far as value. Again, I haven't done the research. I haven't ticked it out. I probably should. But um, when you're assessing certain players, assess. Fangraphs is really nice because they tell you this guy's a 45 plus, this guy's a 40 and based on his position that each of them have specific values attached to them. One other thing I want to tell you, I said about, I said etc, I said etc I ran into something back midday and it's interesting. Think about a photograph you've taken from back in or participated in back in the day, whether it was a family photo at a holiday get-together or sometime you're out at a ball game or you're just getting out of a movie or whatever. You have a photograph. A photograph, it is a shot in time. At that time, it applies. Things may happen. And three weeks later, three months later, three years later, three decades later, that photo may not be possible anymore. 
Um, maybe some of the people who were in the photo that were friends eventually were no longer friends and would never be caught dead with each other. So a photo is a shot in time. And sometimes later on, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. As far as from the information that you have at that point. Now, if you remember back to walking into the 2020 season. So we're rolling the clock back. What do you want to say? 22, 23 months? Something like that. No, let's, let's just roll back 11 months. Let's just roll back 11 months. The 2021 season is about to get going. The 2021 season is about to get going. And people are complaining about how horrible the Cubs pipeline is. It's bad. They have some guys up at the top. But really, the Cubs pipeline, in most people's view, is kind of bad. It's kind of really bad. It's a shot in time. It's a photograph. You see that list from January or February or December a year ago of the Cubs pipeline. Now, the Cubs pipeline, completely populated with different names, names that are higher, names that are lower, but it's different. Different people different places, people who used to be in other organizations, people who were in high school at the time, people who were in college at the time, now they are on the Cubs list. Before, they were not. Sometimes people might have been in the Cubs organization, but not on the Cubs list yet. On the current Cubs list, I'm looking at three of four players on the Cubs list. Three of four players on the Cubs list now. They are all listed as 40-plus prospects. All very similar. 40-plus, that's not that wide uh, it, it's not, it's, there's not a whole lot of breadth there. If you get to the point where, oh, okay, this guy's a 40 plus, then yeah, he's a 40 plus. You assess it. That gives you a kind of um, solid idea of the expectations of the player. At least right now. At least right now. That doesn't mean in two years or three years or in seven years or in 14 years. It's going to be exactly the same, or it would be exactly the same expectation as a photograph, as a shot, as of right now, it kind of makes sense. You roll it back a year and a half, you roll it forward a year and a half, it won't necessarily make any sense then. As of right now, yeah, it looks kind of good. Looks kind of good, looks kind of accurate. You might disagree, you might agree, you might say, well, I bumped that guy up and that guy down, but 
generally, for a lot of people, yeah, this is pretty close. This is pretty close. And again, if it's a situation, oh, no, I wouldn't have him that high, I'd have that other guy higher and that other guy lower. Well, that's fine. And that would be your photograph of right now. Fangraphs does a very good job of showing their homework. So what I'm looking at is the late teens, early 20s, of the Cubs list. Late teens, early 20s. I'm going to go with an audible. I'm going to change. I'm going to go through all of, instead of just three of the names, instead of just three of the names, I'm going to go through the entire Cubs list of 40 pluses. The entire Cubs list of 40 pluses. Now, if I were doing Oakland and I were going through the entire list of A's 40 pluses, they have one, two, three, four, five, six. Max Muncy, Jorge Juan, Colin Toulouse, Jeff Criswell, Ma Mason Miller, and Lawrence Butler. Very possibly you're not familiar with much of any of them because you probably don't pay a whole lot of attention to the A system. I don't. I'm familiar with Colin Palouse a bit from college. But a bunch of these players, I, I have nothing. I have absolutely nothing on them. Now, here is the a shot in time of players in the Cubs pipeline who are all 40 pluses. First off, Drew Gray, third round draft pick out of IMG Academy in 2021. He was he is a left-handed pitcher. He was an Arkansas commit. However, signing with the Cubs, he signed with the Cubs came to the Cubs, and is now a 40-plus. A year ago, two years ago, you probably had no idea who Drew Gray was. For some of you, you still have no idea who Drew Gray was or is. And that's perfectly fine, because Drew Gray hasn't pitched a game above the um, compound league level. It's very understandable that people would be, hey, who's this Drew, Ga Drew Gray guy? I've never heard of him before. Drew Gray, 17, he's a 40-plus. 18, Ben Leeper, a right-handed relief pitcher, short-inning relief pitcher, 24 and a half years old, zooming through the Cubs pipeline, went all the way from, I think he was South Bend all the way to Iowa this season, and when he got to Iowa... No, actually, he was just Tennessee and Iowa. He was Tennessee and Iowa, and when they got when he got to Iowa after a while, they said, okay, you're about done for the year. You're about done. We don't want to push you a whole lot further. So Drew Gray, a year ago, had been a high school pitcher at IMG Academy. Now he is a 40-plus. Ben Leeper, a year ago, was pretty much an afterthought post-draft signing by the Cubs. Now he did quite well in Des Moines in 2021 and is poised to be a relief pitcher in Wrigley at some point in 2022. 19th on the list, Ryan Jensen, right-handed. Fangraphs calls him a middle-inning relief pitcher, might be a starting pitcher. It's all going to depend upon how it all plays out for him. He is one of those guys. He's a prospect. 
He's a prospect. I don't know how he's going to turn out. And snapshot time, right now he is in the range of the other 40 pluses. Does that mean he should be better than that? Does that mean he should be worse than that? Does that mean we don't know? We're assessing what we see now. And what Fangraphs assesses is Ryan Jensen, just a little tiny bit below Drew Gray, just a little tiny bit below Ben Leeper, and just above the other 40 pluses. Shot in time. Number 20, Braylon Marquez. Braylon Marquez, how did he fall that far? The reason Braylon Marquez fell that far, because he didn't pitch in 2021. He did not pitch at all, a single pitch in 2021. And I don't know what he was. I don't know what he was on the Cubs prospect list with Fangraphs. I guess I could look it up. But um, I don't know what he, what he was on the Fangraphs list a year ago. But right now he's a 40-plus. Maybe last year he was a 45 and the fall-off from 45 to 40 really isn't all that much. It really isn't. But when you're falling off from 45 to 40-plus, and a whole bunch of other people are either moving up or getting added into the list that are 45s and 50s, it is very possible to plummet quite a bit from top 5 to Number 20 on the list, falling from a 45 to a 40 plus. It's very possible for that to happen if there is enough quality coming in. So it's not a case of they hate Braylon Marquez. It's more a case of they're assessing Braylon Marquez as a 40. And they have Braylon Marquez below Drew Gray and Ben Leeper, who you never would have thought that a year ago now, would you have? Drew Gray, who you'd never heard of, Ben Leeper, who you maybe had never heard of, being ranked behind Braylon Marquez? You wouldn't have seen that coming. Was it because Braylon Marquez is terrible? No, Braylon Marquez didn't have a very good year, but Drew Gray and Ben Leeper impressed. Zachary Lee is a, they're calling him a middle-inning relief pitcher reliever the Cubs drafted on the third day of the draft and he was pitching 96-97 in advanced A ball in 2021. Had a very good, very representative short portion of a season. Zachary Lee, when you take the snapshot as of right now of all the 40 pluses, Drew Gray, Ben Leeper, Ryan Jensen, Braylon Marquez, Zachary Lee, all considered very similar right now. There's four more. One of them, Greg Dykeman. Greg Dykeman is going to get a whole lot of interesting commentary from people on like Twitter because people are going to be assessing Greg Dykeman as if the entire, what is it, 30 at that career he's had so far at the major league level is his entire major league career, and that is all he is ever going to be for the rest of his life. Because people like to do that. People like to overreact based on very, very, very small sample sizes, especially when 
that's all there is to assess them on. Uh, someone on the Twitters was talking about Greg Dykeman rather uh, dismissively and uh, talking about how um, he probably shouldn't get too much uh, attention or here, let me let me look this up. Let me look this up. I will look this up literally and completely. One person about Greg Dykeman. They placed him on the 40-man because they think there is something there worth protecting. Time will see. Actually, the Cubs did not place Dykeman on the 40-man. The A's placed him on the 40-man. And the Cubs traded for him. And he moved over to the Cubs on the 40-man roster. So the Cubs didn't place him on him. On it, someone else did. Back to Dykeman again. Miner's performance has been up and down throughout his brief career. Would love for him to get legit spring training chance. Parenthetically, though not trusting owners thinking I see it being a shortened spring training. And parentheses, I'm just not sure he puts it all together for the team, for a team looking to compete. Okay, to a large extent, I'll buy that. Um, owners have nothing to do with how uh, Dykeman will get used in spring training. That would be more the coaches and the executives. The owners own the executives, do the decisions like who gets to stick around and who gets to play, manager, executives, and to an extent, Dykeman. If Dykeman looks completely blown away in spring training, then they will probably send him to Iowa quicker than if he's looking rather well. I'm just not sure he puts it all together for a team looking to compete. That's perfectly legitimate. Very acceptable because I'm not sure of that either. Snapshot in time, Greg Dykeman is a 40-plus along with Drew Gray, Ben Leeper, Ryan Jensen, Braylon Marquez, Zach Lee. Three more on the list. Burl Caraway. Burl Caraway is fun to talk about. I'm not going to talk about him a whole lot today because I've talked about him a lot before, and I'll talk about him quite a bit on Into the Future. With Caraway, he was the second-round pick in 2020, and some people were agog about, let's call, uh, let's call Burl Caraway up to the major leagues right now because, after all, he throws 99 miles an hour and he's left-handed, and that's all that matters. All that matters is how fast does a person throw and does he throw from the left-hand side. As it turns out, when he was in the 40-man uh, when he was in the um, alternate site in South Bend in 2020, he really wasn't even really pitching to players. He was just pitching in batting practice. Uh, he wasn't even really pitch, pitching in batting practice. He's, he's getting a whole lot of work in um, the bullpen. They're just... Show us what you got. Show us what you got. Let us see how you are developing. All that kind of stuff. He developed to an extent. And when the 2020 season ended, well, that was the end of that. And he was not called up to the major leagues. The people who were saying Burl Caraway should be called up to the major leagues were wrong. They had no idea what they were talking about. And very few of them have said, yeah, well, I was one of those people who said 
Burl Caraway ought to get called up to the major leagues. And when I said that, I was wrong. There just haven't been a whole lot of people who have said Burl Caraway, he was getting some looks. He was getting some looks in spring training. And you know what would have been nice in 2020 would have been if Ed Howard would have gotten some looks in spring train uh, in uh in the alternate site if um Luke Little would have gotten some looks but ownership decided the maximum amount a team could have in the combination of the major league team the taxi squad and the alternate training site the maximum number of players that could practice was 60 so since players like Ed Howard, who is a 45 on the Fangraphs list, since players like that did not get to practice with the quality opposition, they didn't get to get any better, which kind of hurt them in their development eventually. Two more names. Christian Franklin was a fourth-round pick by the Cubs in 2021. He was going to supposed to be a first-round or second-round pick, but his offense wasn't quite as hoped in the SEC, and he's gotten to um, Cubs camp. He's changing his swing a bit, and we will have to see how he develops. There, there really isn't a whole lot of information on how good Christian Franklin's career is going to be because he's only had a fractional season. There's really not all that to go on. So what we can do with Christian Franklin is say, I'm really not sure. And that's generally a very acceptable response. Final name on the 40-plus list of the Cubs. I'm going to go through it one more time. Drew Gray, Ben Leeper, Ryan Jensen, Braylon Marquez, Zach Lee, Greg Dykeman, Burl Caraway. Christian Franklin, Daniel Palencia is the last name on the list. Palencia was the main draw the Cubs received from the A's. I'm saying Palencia is the main draw. The other guy they received, Greg Dykeman, is three up. Dykeman's a twenty. Uh, Dykeman's twenty second at a, at a forty plus. Daniel Palencia is twenty fifth ranked at a 40 plus whether you prefer greg dykeman or whether you prefer daniel palencia and why you prefer the one that you prefer or maybe you prefer them both or maybe you prefer neither of them what is pretty much for sure andrew chafin who the a's traded to um traded both players to obtain Andrew Chafin has finished his career with the A's. At least his A's portion of it. Andrew Chafin's a free agent. Will he possibly come back to the Cubs? I don't know. I'd be completely good with it. But Greg Dykeman and Daniel Palencia, both 40s in the Cubs pipeline, both between 22 and 25 in the Cubs pipeline on the Fangraphs listing as 40 pluses came over in the trade with the Oakland A's. Now, if Palencia and Dykeman were still with Oakland, and if Palencia and Dykeman were both 
still 40 pluses. In the Oakland system, they would probably be somewhere in the 7 to 14 range on the A's listing. 7 to 14. Now, that sounds a whole lot better than 22 to 25, doesn't it? Say, wow, he's, he's somewhere between 7 and 14. That's really good. Well, what people don't do when they don't do their homework is they don't necessarily check. They don't check the future value. They don't check the assessment. Whether Palencia and or Dykeman got better in the Cubs system or more better in the Cubs system than they would have in the Oakland system? No, no, no. But as of right now, Palencia at a 40 is 25th in the Cubs system. Dykeman, uh, Palencia at a 40 plus is 25th in the Cubs system. Dykeman as a 40 plus is 22nd in the Cubs system. And with almost every prospect <coughs> in the Cubs system with Dykeman and with Palencia, it is completely legitimate to say for both of them, really, I don't have a whole, I, I don't have enough information. I don't have enough information to totally, completely, accurately assess how good they're going to be. I just don't. There's not enough out there. If people want to make long-term conclusions on Greg Dykeman over his 30 or so at-bats at the major league level, I can't even remember how many it was. It wasn't many. It wasn't many. And no, he wasn't ready to excel at the major league level. He was largely called up because the Cubs needed an outfielder because, let's see, Hermosillo was hurt. Um, who else was hurt? Um, goodness. There, there were injuries. There were injuries. And it got to the point where, well, we might as well call up Greg Dykeman, let him play. And he struggled. He struggled a bit. Um, did not hit a whole lot. And in right field, he made some plays, made some bad plays. Um, but as far as thinking off of a very scant number of major league plate appearances, that you have a confidence level of how well a player is going to do at the major league level, either you're really good at this or you're full of crap. When assessing a pipeline, when assessing a pipeline, just looking at a place on a board where a totem fits up against the others, you're missing the important information. The A's have quality talent. The Cubs have quality talent. Every organization has quality talent. As Fangraphs continues to pop them up on the boards, eventually some people who are more pot committed to doing homework than I am will do a decent job of telling you, hey, the Cubs are now at 8th place or 5th place or 7th place or whatever. 
And come April, come April, once minor league games start, there will start being more actual information on Cubs prospects. And it will be more possible to accurately or somewhat accurately assess who is doing what in the Cubs pipeline. As of right now, there's really not a whole lot of information. But with the athletics list popping up, I figured it was a good time to assess how to assess prospect pipelines. Have a great start of your week.